Purple State Progress. Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of November 15th, 2021. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. As the year winds down, most of the state's legislative sessions are now over. But one exception is Pennsylvania, where the House recently held hearings on one vital piece of legislation, the Term Limits Convention Resolution. Also, former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley was quoted calling for cognitive testing on our increasingly aged congressional leaders and other politicians. Wow. To discuss these issues, I'm joined by U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides. Hey, Nick. Happy uh, Veterans Day to all the veterans who listen to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nick, I want to talk a little bit about the state legislatures. We haven't had much action uh, lately because most of the legislatures are not in session. But we had some action this last week in Pennsylvania. Uh, That's a year-round legislature. Why don't you tell us what happened? Yes, uh, Pennsylvania, the, the state house there, actually had a hearing on congressional term limits, more specifically the term limits convention, and that happened in the Pennsylvania State House State Government Subcommittee. It was chaired by State Representative Ryan McKenzie, who also happens to be the lead sponsor of the term limits convention bill, H.R. 57. Uh, And what this means is term limits convention is moving forward in Pennsylvania. The hearing was about an hour long. It was attended by U.S. term limits regional director Ken Quinn, U.S. term limits legislative advocate for Pennsylvania, Mike Riley. There was a very good back and forth debate, discussion, and uh, it's a sign Phil, that we could be nearing a breakthrough in this very important target state, very important uh, swing state of Pennsylvania. That's exciting. It's a purple state. Of course, this is a sort of a purple issue. And uh, I know that we've had a lot of support from both the Democrats and the Republicans Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Notably, uh, some giants of Pennsylvania politics, including Ed Rendell, the former governor of the state, a Democrat, and Pat Toomey, U.S. Senator, from Pennsylvania, uh, they did a yeah. an op-ed together in, oh gee, I don't remember. It was in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Oh, in the Inquirer, okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that sent shockwaves through the political establishment in Pennsylvania, really helped put this legislation on the map. I assume that this has been introduced in the legislature for this session, of course, or we wouldn't be having yes. a hearing. But we've, we've had it in the last couple of years, too, right? How long have we been working on Pennsylvania? We've been working on Pennsylvania for a couple of years, but prior to 2021, everything we did there was very preliminary, right? We were trying to set the table. We are trying to have discussions with legislators behind the scenes, educate them, get them up to speed right. on term limits and how the convention process works. So we're, we basically were laying the groundwork before, right. but now we've pivoted and we have a real vehicle H.R. 57, this legislation, this resolution, and S.J.R. 3, there's a Senate companion as well. It's actually been introduced by the Senate president, Jake Corman. That doesn't happen every day. So I I would say we were laying the groundwork before, but now this is really primed to move forward, and it needs to be an all-hands-on-deck approach. 
We need to have those those big time influencers like Pat Toomey and Ed Rendell speaking out. We need our state legislative champions to be fighting hard. And then most importantly, we need all of our grassroots activists in Pennsylvania to be contacting their own state legislators and saying, we want to see this happen. That's exciting. Yeah, and the Toomey Rendell thing is very cool because sometimes when we go into a state, we're asking state legislators to term limit Congress, and they'll say, well, I don't want to piss off my U.S. senator because there's no way he's going to want term limits. Well, Pat Toomey is your U.S. senator in Pennsylvania, and he wants term limits. He's begging you to term limit him out of Congress. In fact, he is retiring after this term. He's term limiting himself. You know, Mm -hmm. Toomey is, is a statesman. Uh, it's great to have Rendell on board as well, or just kind of uh, uh, burnishing the bipartisan credentials of of term limits. Right. You know, sometimes one thing that makes uh, legislators reticent also is that the, the Pennsylvania legislature is not term limited. And so sometimes politicians think there's a perception problem with having these non-term limited state legislators be calling for term limits on Congress. And I know that there was a uh, opinion piece in a newspaper there in Pennsylvania recently that uh, basically took legislators to task for calling for tournaments for someone else. Of course, we have no problem with this at all. We want tournaments on everybody. But I'd, I'd like to point out also that the voters don't have a problem with that so-called perception problem either. I mean, we actually have polling that Pulse Opinion Research did back in 2020 that specifically asked voters or told voters that, hey, look, your Pennsylvania legislators are not term limited. Do you have a problem uh, or you'd be more or less likely to vote for them now that they're pushing for congressional tournaments? And by large majorities, as usual, Democrats, Republicans and independents all said we're more likely to vote for our local guy if he's pushing for congressional tournaments, whether or not he's term limited or whether or not he's supporting um, state level term limits. So that's sort of a uh, it's sort of a, a false perception because nobody really cares or feels uncomfortable about that except for the state legislators themselves. It's a real bogus, false perception, and it's nothing for the state legislators uh, nor anyone else to worry about. Um, you know, th- what this is, is this is a um, an activist, radical newspaper columnist who is trying to create some kind of dissension within the legislature so that they might feel reluctant to move forward with congressional term limits because he's brought this up. But it, it really is nonsense. Like, if you look at the whole landscape of our country— and where we have term limits and where we don't. Like, we've had term limits on the president for 70 years, but no term limits on Congress. We've got term limits on 36 governors, no term limits on another 14. Term limits on some cities, but not others. Term limits on state legislatures in some areas, but not others. We can't let that kind of messy landscape of not continuous, uh, not always consistent in every place, we can't let that get in the way of term limiting Congress. We've got to keep our eyes on the prize here. These are just distractions, you know, from these columnists. They don't want to see term limits happen, but, you know, dogs don't chase parked cars. The fact that they're even (laughs) writing about this tells me that we are making headway in PA. That's right. So let's get back to nuts and bolts. On this hearing, what was the result of it? They were discussing the pros and cons of calling for a tournaments convention to amend the U.S. Constitution. And um, was there a vote taken as part of the hearing? There was no vote taken uh, yet. I believe that is the next step in the process. First they discuss, um, then a vote comes later on. Um, But judging by where the committee stands, um, I think we're at or above a majority of members on this committee being supportive. Uh, It was a good mix of questioning. 
Ken Quinn was up there for a while. He kind of channeled Ben Franklin in his testimony. Um, I would go on our website and watch the clip of this hearing because Ken, he blends history, constitutional law in a very entertaining way. You know, I could have saved a lot of money on college history classes by switching to Ken Quinn instead of the, <laughs> instead of well, the American should... university system. <laughs> <laughs> we should listen to Ken's testimony right now. I heard it was excellent. Thank you for this opportunity. Good morning, and I appreciate uh, the, the time we can spend here in the next few minutes to discuss this very important issue. Um, I'm from Bridgeton, Maine, and I'm here in support, obviously, of congressional term limits. And one of the main reasons for that is because this is a, an issue that many, many people around the country and in the state of Pennsylvania support. I just want to reference two of the exhibits I provided, two polls. One is the recent poll by Scott Rasmussen, which was a national poll, and it shows that this issue, term limits for Congress, is supported by 82% of the American people, and that is 87% Republicans, 83% Democrats, and 78% Independents. This is the number one issue in the country today that spans the political spectrum for support, and which is what's required to, in order to have a successful amendment. Here in Pennsylvania, the numbers are very tight. It's 79% overall, and that's 78% Republican, 79% Democrats, and 77 independents. That's just one of the reasons we support this. And the reason there is such high support among the American people, it's simple. Congress is broken. It's dysfunctional see this on a daily basis, and this is nothing new. This issue the American people have been wanting for decades. You may recall in the 1990s, 23 states passed laws putting term limits on their own congressional delegations. 21 of those states that people actually voted for at the ballot box. I'm from Maine. We voted for it twice. And unfortunately, what happened was it got challenged. It rose and went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 1995, the Supreme Court ruled against all 23 laws, overturning those laws. And I provided the quote. This is what the, the court stated. Quote, state imposition of term limits for congressional service would affect such a fundamental change in the constitutional framework that it must come through a constitutional amendment properly passed under the procedures set forth in Article 5, unquote. Now, I'm not going to bore you with the stats on uh, Article 5, the process. You already know that. It's either two-thirds of both houses of Congress or upon any application of two-thirds of the state legislatures. We don't have a lot of faith that Congress is going to limit their own terms. We do have a lot of support currently in Congress. Over 90 current members of Congress have signed on and co-sponsored uh, term limits amendments that we have uh, had introduced However, to get to two-thirds is simply is not attainable at this point, and that's where you come in. It's only by pressure from the state legislatures that we'll actually see this reality. And in fact, I would like to refer to one of your own. And in my research on Article 5, the first person that I found that ever suggested an Article 5 convention for congressional term limits was a gentleman by the name of Tench Cox from Philadelphia. July 1788 is when he made this suggestion. This was one month after the Constitution was ratified. And I just want to read the quick sentence. Quote, he said, you have been told also that after the new Constitution takes place, the officers under it may become perpetual. Now, it is fully and absolutely secure that no representative, senator, president, or vice president can continue beyond a stipulated time. And if the people think that time too long, they can get their state legislatures to apply for its being shortened. 
If nine legislatures out of 13 apply this year or 10 years hence, there must be a convention called to consider the point. That was over 200 years ago. And this issue has not gone away. Uh, many of the framers supported term limits back then. They called it rotation of office. I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, in regards to why we need them. I just want to briefly remind us that the approval ratings of Congress have consistently been very low, 15 to 20 percent for decades, yet the reelection rate has been over 96 percent. That is because the incumbents have such an advantage over any challengers. Um, the failure of Congress to address critical issues in our country, the debt, immigration, health care, they continue to kick the can on, down the road on these issues. We find them listening to their funders more than their constituents. Right now, a lot of good people don't bother to run because they just cannot simply raise millions of dollars to go against an incumbent's war chest. And that's where term limits really will be a benefit and a reform to the American people. Yeah, Ken making some great points there. Uh, Mike Riley, who is our legislative advocate in Pennsylvania, he was also a superstar in this hearing, and he was asking some very poignant questions like, are you happy with the government and the Congress you have right now? Do you want to see change? He goes around the state, and he's been basically the heart and soul of this this effort. He's gotten 25,000 people who've been helped uh, across the state to get behind the effort here, sign up to support it. And he just had some real gems in his testimony, like talked about how Congress, with such low approval ratings in the basement, is a one-star Congress. And then he asks the politicians, would you eat at a one-star restaurant? Would you stay in a one-star hotel? If the answer to that question is no, then you shouldn't put up with this one-star Congress. You should demand better out of our federal representatives. I thought that was a point that really resonated. I could see a lot of the gears in the heads of these, these state legislators turning, and I thought it was a really productive hearing, and I thought term limits won the day, quite frankly. This is a public If you're ever wondering, what is the engine that powers the term limits movement? It's our grassroots activists and our volunteers. We can't do this without them. So for this podcast, I spent a little time speaking with one of our all-star volunteers, Jeffrey Harper from Kentucky. Jeffrey has a great story, and he is making an amazing impact in his state. And he's a great example of how we can all stand up and get involved in taking our government back. So Jeffrey, uh, welcome to the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Uh, we're here with Jeffrey Harper, uh, who is one of our leading activists in the state of Kentucky. Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the term limits movement. Uh, so my wife and I have been married for 20 years and we have four kids together. I've, I'm a security analyst for UPS Airlines. Uh, I graduated with a political science degree from the University of Louisville, and the way I got involved with term limits was really, believe it or not, listening to Dave Ramsey. Uh, wow. Dave Ramsey was uh, touting term limits one day, not in any great detail, but he talked about it enough just to pique my interest and began to really explore it and find out what it was really all about, and that's how I discovered U.S. term limits, and uh, then I read the term limits revolution and was kind of dedicated to the cause after that. You know, it's interesting you say that. I've never heard Dave Ramsey talk about term limits, um, but based on how fiscally responsible he is and every other aspect of his life, his head must be exploding every time he looks at Washington, D.C. 
that that was the impression that I got when I was listening to him on the radio that day. And this was actually several years ago. It's not something that I jumped on right away, but it's something that just kind of you put a bug in my my head, and uh, just kind of lingered. And the more I thought about it, the more I began to look into it and found out what a great organization this is. And I was really excited about the opportunity to uh, to help out. Well, we really appreciate your help, and um, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about people, constituents who give their elected officials an earful over opposing term limits. But I think it's also important that we emphasize that there are some really good guys out there in our state legislatures who support term limits, and sometimes they don't get the recognition that they deserve. So you had a trip to the state capitol recently where you met with some legislators. Who did you meet with and how did that go? Uh, I met with uh, Stephen Meredith. He represents District 5 here in the state of Kentucky from Litchfield, and I had the opportunity to present him with a term limits uh, recognition plaque and talk about good people working uh, in our state legislatures and in Congress. Those people do exist, and Stephen was definitely one of them. He's a big supporter of the term limits movement, and he's even offered uh, tentatively to sponsor legislation when it comes back up in Kentucky next session. I hear from people all the time about term limits and they say, well, how do we get it done? What do I have to do? And it really is as simple as just talking to your elected public servants, encouraging them to do the right thing, encouraging them to sign the pledge, giving them recognition such as the the plaque, the term limits champion plaque uh, when they come on board. So there's no doubt in my mind that you giving uh, Senator Meredith that plaque, that probably played a big role in influencing him in deciding to sponsor this. Well, you know, it's really interesting. The more people that you talk about term limits, it's kind of like one of those topics. I have a hat just like you have on right now, a U.S. term limits hat, and I wear that at family gatherings. And every time that I do it, the the response that I get from uh, close and distant relatives is all the same, and it's amazingly positive. It's something that most people seem to agree on. I hear that so much. And especially with Thanksgiving coming up, it's more relevant than ever because nobody wants to have that political debate at family Thanksgiving. Term limits is the one thing that everyone will actually agree on. Uh, You know, you can all go home happy with your leftovers. It's a safe place to start a conversation. At least in my experience, that's the way it's been. Yeah. Uh, So let me ask you, Jeffrey, you are from Kentucky, uh, which is home to uh, Senator Mitch McConnell. Uh, He's been in office quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Let me what what are your thoughts as a constituent of uh, Mitch McConnell about him in general and uh, his attitude toward term limits? Yeah, well, Mitch McConnell, like you said, has been around for a very long time here. He's a a graduate of the University of Louisville, just like I am. I, I believe in a lot of the same things politically that Mitch McConnell does, but I don't believe that anybody should be in Congress for as long as Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or so many people on both the left and the right have been in office. So, I mean, there's plenty of good people out there waiting in the wings that can do a great job for us representing us in Washington and and in our state legislatures. Uh, I think that it's good to get fresh blood in, in there as much as possible. And as much as I like Mitch, I'm ready for Mitch to retire. <laughs> I can't disagree with you there. Um, so follow-up question on um, on term limits. We hear a lot people who say, well, it's a great idea, but it's never going to happen because, you know, the, the chickens are not going to vote for Colonel Sanders, to put it in Kentucky right. terms. There you go. How did you feel when you found out for the first time that 
you didn't actually need Congress to do anything, that the states actually have this power under the Constitution, under Article 5, to get together in a convention and propose uh, congressional term limits. Nobody in D.C. can stop them. What, what did you think when you first found out about that? To be perfectly honest with you, when I first found out about that, I was suspicious <laughs> because of the prevailing belief is that if we invoke Article 5, it's going to put everything on the table. And that's not the case. And I think that you learn a lot about that by listening to these podcasts and getting to the real root of it and the truth of, of what Article 5 is all about. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, we even see um, when the founding fathers were debating this, how initially they were going to give Congress complete power over the amendments. And then you had one delegate, George Mason from Virginia, who got up there and said, well, wait a minute, if they have all the power, how are we ever going to rein in their power? Uh, and so this convention was born. It, it really is tailor made to our issue. Um, let me ask you, Jeffrey, you've done quite a bit already. You've been an instrumental part of the grassroots effort there in Kentucky. What are your plans moving forward? Do you plan to be involved as this resolution uh, moves through the process uh, in the state capitol? I would absolutely love to have uh a hands-on approach to what we're doing here in the state of Kentucky and what we're trying to get done. Um, I see it happening in other states surrounding us, most notably here in Tennessee recently, and I would love to see this happen in Frankfurt. And um, I'm, I would be very excited about the opportunity to participate in that at a greater level. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's really an exciting thing to do, it's, and it's the right thing to do. I really do believe that, and that's why I'm so behind it. Well, thank you so much, sir. Uh, I know we truly appreciate you and um, all of your efforts, and um, we, we're going to have your back in Kentucky this upcoming session, and uh, we'll work together and we'll get this done. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Nick, did, did you hear what uh, Nikki Haley uh, said this week about our aging Congress and other politicians in this country? I did, okay. and when I heard it, I stood up on my uh, chair here at the office and I gave her a standing ovation. <laughs> well, she deserves it. Absolutely. She was asked by, uh, let's see, the Christian Broadcasting Network, uh, David Brody, um, about the president and the difficulties he's having. And she was, you know, she's classy and she didn't want to talk about uh, the president's issues. Uh, she brought, made it more broad. In fact, I'll quote her. She says, right now, let's face it, we have a lot of people in leadership that are old. And that's not being disrespectful. That's a fact. And when it comes to that, it should not be partisan. We should be seriously looking at the ages of the people that are running and understand if that's what we want. And she went on to say that there should be some kind of some system. She wasn't very specific about this. We should come up with some system by which we could test. You have some kind of cognitive test for people that are making these important decisions because our leadership in this country at all levels is aging. And a lot of the reason why that's happening, though, is two things. One, people can operate a much higher level at an older age than they did in the past, but that's not the only reason or even the main one. It's that people don't lose elections because we don't have rotation in office. Uh, yeah, the sentiment behind this is nothing new. Uh, there are already offices that have public offices that have basically de facto mental tests like retirement ages for judges and, and other positions. The U.S. Congress is one of the few places where we just let people run indefinitely despite uh, having major cognitive problems, as we can yeah. all see. 
But yeah, we could do it like, uh, hey, politicians want people to show a vaccine passport when they want to dine at a restaurant. Why don't we make politicians show a uh, career politician passport in order to uh, <laughs> get into the halls of Congress? If you've, been, if you've been there for a certain number of years, you can't get back in. Sorry, pal, you got to pack up and turn around. But it, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And um I like how she just jumped right over the whole Biden thing and said, we need mental tests for all politicians, whether it's House, Senate, president, vice president, test them all. Uh, Best way to approximate that's term limits. Another way to go about it, of course, without having an extra requirement or without having, um, in fact, there might even be constitutional issues with the extra requirement, by the way. But a a way around that is to just encourage more rotation in office uh, because term limits by Limiting how long you can spend in office really, really uh, would prevent people, very aged people from being in Congress in the first place, unless they originally ran for Congress and they're already aged, because you'd be limited to a certain number of years in office. And that matters, because we know from statistics and studies that the age of legislators in term-limited states, the average age, is far lower than the average age of legislators in non-term-limited states. The last thing I saw was from the National Conference of uh, State Legislatures, and this is from, I think, 2015. And they point out that the average age of a state legislator, which is younger than Congress, by the way, but the average age of a state legislator is 56 versus 47, which is the average age of an adult in the United States. But in tournament states, it's actually 44, three years younger than the average and well younger than the average in the non-tournament states. So just having regular rotation office, which has all kinds of benefits of its own, would sort of make the problem of aged leaders moot. And of course, that would make the problem of cognitive uh, incompetency in our aged leaders moot. So you don't necessarily need to go to the go to give somebody a test. You can just have a system that is fluid and works. Yeah, and I think that would also allow for more elderly members of Congress who haven't necessarily lost their mental faculties or who, you know, might be up there in age, but not up there in uh, political entrenchment and corruption to still have an opportunity to serve. But this problem has just, it has compounded and it needs to be addressed. I was reading an article about Charles Grassley of Iowa, who is an 88-year-old U.S. Senator who's running for his eighth term. And this is what the the author of the piece, this is how he started his article. It was from Art Cullen, who is editor of the Storm Lake Times in Iowa, opened the piece on Chuck Grassley as such. Senator Charles E. Grassley was first elected to the Iowa State Legislature in 1958 when I was one year old and Fidel Castro's beard was just filling in. Now I'm on Social Security Castro is dead, and Grassley is running for another six-year Senate term. <laughs> so, well, we're, we're talking we're talking about the we're talking about the grass man here. We're talking about aw shucks Chuck himself. Author points out that no one, including Grassley, can remember why Grassley got into politics in the first place, and um, and that is that's a problem. Yeah, that that is a problem, <laughs> and he's not the oldest senator either. Um, that crown goes to uh, Diane Feinstein, whose issues have been chronicled, have been well chronicled on this podcast and in Washington Post and many other sources. Yeah, in fact, I think that um, I don't 
I mean, I know that that what you just mentioned about uh, Chuck Grassley is concerning, but I know that the issues that uh, Diane Feinstein has been facing are a lot more grave, um, and it's a real shame. And you know, it's it's a shame for them too. Term limits provide a very dignified way to retire. You're not giving up. You're not leaving the job undone. Your time is finished, and it's everyone is in the same boat as you. You have a certain amount of years, and then you, the job is done. And I think that's a graceful exit for a lot of these people, too, that would otherwise feel like they need to or want to hang on to power forever. There's a lot of benefits of tournaments in the Congress, and that might seem like a minor one, but it's real. And it'd be real if it were you and you were there. That's for sure. Let's avoid another Strom Thurmond and another Robert Byrd. The job of a congressional staffer is not to be changing diapers. Um, it's, it's, It's gone way too far. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The Turn Limits Convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the Turn Limits movement. To check on the status of the Turn Limits Convention resolution in your state, go to turnlimits.com slash take action. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a take action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's turnlimits.com slash take action. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution, or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help. Please consider making a contribution to U.S. Term Limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Contact your state lawmakers before they vote on term limits for Congress. Go to termlimits.com slash take action. U.S.T.L. Yeah.